today we want to start, I want to start in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. As we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians, we're in a section now where we're kind of like focusing in on the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I mean, when I went to Columbia with Ryan and the whosoevers, when I was there, the Lord just really impressed on my heart that you need to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how everyone here has a supernatural power, kind of like the X-Men, you know, whatever. We all have our different uh, strengths and weaknesses. We're all unique like that, you guys. And so, you know, when I came back, I, I wanted to share along those lines because as a church, you don't want just what men can do. You might have guys that are really skilled at speaking or whatever, they're talented in organizing things, or maybe they're real like amazing musicians. But you don't, a church shouldn't be just like the best what, of what men can do. A church has to be a living organism. A church has to be God, the, the, the God of wonders, the God of miracles working in the lives of the people. And so, you know, one of the things that I've found, and even in the Calvary chapels, is that we know how to do church. We know how to do the machine. We can kind of go through our format each Sunday and Thursday. But, but, you know, we don't want just to, to squeak by. We want to fly. We don't want to just do that kind of stuff where you fall into a rut or routine. We always want to be open to the Holy Spirit. And so let me ask you a question. I want you to be honest. What supernatural gift do you have? Do you know your gifts? Um, have you developed them? Uh, have you deployed them? Uh, Daniel was telling me about how when they go on the, the tours, there's a couple of sisters that have the gift of, of, the, of words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And so these are girls that kind of like God, in one sense, speaks through them. One of them is only 18 years old. And what she's done is she's discovered that this is a gift that I have. And she's being taught by the other sister how to develop it, how to cultivate it, how to exercise it. You see, and, and so you have to, we have to be inspired by stories like that, first of all, but discover what gifts you have and then develop them and then deploy them. You know, it's so cool to see Ariana and, and Naomi and, and Jane up here. You know, they're young people and they have been given talents and gifts and, and they're exercising them uh, for the glory of God. Now, there are other musicians, they're not. They're burying their gifts. One day they're going to stand before Jesus and give an account. We have to make sure that whatever gifts we have, whatever God's called us to, and I'm not saying that every musician has to necessarily do worship. That's between you and the Lord. But you have to be careful because uh, God is holy. God is awesome. We have to fear God. If he's called us to do something or if he's gifted us to do something, we have to be obedient to him. If the whole church caught that vision of I have a gift, I have a responsibility, even though we're all different, man, God would do a great and awesome work. It would be like the New Testament church. And so, you know, I encourage you guys to know this, uh, different gifts uh, in different ways. God will do an awesome work. I was reading one story by John Corson, and he was illustrating how the different gifts of the Spirit work uh, by relaying the story, apparently it was somewhat true, of his little boy 
who one day was uh, walking uh, with a glass of water in his hand, and he tripped and stumbled. He dropped the glass, and it hit the concrete and broke into a million pieces. And so he said this. It was interesting to see the different reactions from the body. The person with the gift of ministry immediately found a broom and a dustpan and cleaned it all up. The person with the gift of administration surveyed the situation, searching for the cause, and sure enough, she found a rift in the walkway and said, we better alert the board about this and get that sidewalk evened out. Next, the person with the gift of exhortation warned the little boy, hey, you need to be more careful when you're walking with glass in your hand. You might hurt yourself. After that, the person with the gift of teaching said, Next time, make sure you wipe off any condensation on the outside of the glass and then hold the glass with both hands in a firm grip. <laughs> Finally, the person with the gift of giving put their arm around him and said, Mijo, let's go get you another glass. You see how the different gifts operate? I mean, how many of you here, you, probably most of us here, I think we're practical. We would go get the, the broom and the dust plant, pan. You know, not many would probably survey the situation, what caused it, or, you know, some would warn maybe with a mother figure and mother heart. You know, but the different reactions are all part of the body. We might like the one who gives. That might be our favorite. But listen, they're all necessary in the body of Christ. I hope you know that about yourself and others, that you have gifts that we need as a congregation and community, and others have gifts that you need. And this is why the church is called a body. We're all different parts with different gifts, and those gifts that you have are supernatural. They're miraculous. They're mighty to glorify God, to build up the body, to win the world to Christ, and to defeat the devil. But it only happened when everyone begins to catch the vision. You know, do you have uh, an understanding of what gifts you've been given? Maybe you're here and you're thinking, not me, I don't think I have one. Listen, everybody has at least one. Some have multiple gifts. 1 Peter 4.10, it says everyone has a gift. 1 Corinthians 7.7, 7, Paul said the same thing. Everyone has a gift, and we have to make sure that we believe this. You know, what we find right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is Paul begins to close this particular letter with a series of exhortations and commands is he kind of deals with something that I think we need to kind of like lay as a foundation before we get into these crazy supernatural gifts. And look what he says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good. Now in the Greek language, it's a present tense imperative, and that means it's a continuous command. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. You know, it literally means uh, don't extinguish the fire. Don't stifle or suppress the Holy Spirit. It's sad that some do stifle the Spirit, and we need to make sure that we're not one of those. And on the contrary, when you consider the Holy Spirit kind of like as his fire, let's fan that flame. Let's get stronger. Let's make it grow. You know, when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, uh, there in Acts chapter 2, verse 3, remember he appeared to them as tongues of fire. 
You know, John the Baptist, he said in Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's the connection again, the Holy Spirit and fire, the Holy Spirit and fire. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, don't extinguish the fire. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't suppress the Spirit. Let Him move. Let Him be open to, to work in your life. You know, there, there was a time when Jesus was in a town and they didn't believe in Him. And here's Jesus there in their town and the Bible says that He marveled at their unbelief. And he could do no mighty works there. And so step one, you guys, is, man, you got to believe. I've been given some type of supernatural gift. Even though I know I'm not worthy, even though I know I'm not able, even though I, I know I fall short, man, God has given me gifts that I need to discover what they are and then develop them and then deploy them. We have to believe that there is this fire that's available to us. Now, we don't play with fire. You know, we see a lot of crazy things going on in different churches. People are yelling and barking and they're out of control. You know, there's even one movement that was a while back. They called it Holy Laughter, you know, where everyone in the whole church was laughing and they were blaming it on the Holy Spirit. And some guys will then point out to some of those churches out there, like in Corinth, where they were abusing the gift of tongues and therefore, they would say, see, that's not God. And they would throw out the baby with the bathwater. No, you know, it's like saying we don't need fire. Listen, we need fire. You need fire to warm up your home. You need fire to warm up your tortillas. You need fire, man, to, you know, light up there in the fireplace, right? We need fire. Uh, it has its place, but not to burn the house down. And so that's where the balance comes in. Warren Wiersbe said the gifts of the Holy Spirit are tools to build with, not toys to play with. We don't play with fire, but we sure do need it, right? And that's why Paul writes to the Thessalonians in verse 19, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Now to despise means to doubt or think little of or insignificant. A prophecy, I'm sure you're trying to tell me, Manny, that God, the creator of the universe, still speaks in a personal way, that God can give someone a message personally for me, like a prophetic utterance or word? No, I'm sure that doesn't happen. And what that is, is despising prophecies. Yes, he does still speak. We can't despise. We must listen when God's people talk. But here's the thing, and this is where we balance it all out. He says in verse 21, but you test all things and you hold fast what is good. And so someone comes up to you and they just, you know, sometimes it happens that the Lord, uh, he's given me like this passage for you. He's given me this scripture for you. Manny, can I share this? Because the Holy Spirit's laying something on my heart. And, and you know, I, I believe in the gifts. And so I listen to what they have to say. And I can tell you uh, in all honesty, and as we go into these gifts of the Spirit, this church was founded on supernatural prophetic utterances just like that. How God has spoken to me undeniably, supernaturally, miraculously through other people that have been, it's just a word at the right time. So we don't despise it. We know that God can do this. 
but we do test it. What they share with you, does it line up with scripture? What they share with you, is it true? And the Lord will help you to discern those things, right? And so as we start get now into the gifts of the Spirit, I think this right here is a good foundation to lay so that, man, we can go forward, you guys, and see what God does. Man, we're going to move mountains. God's going to help us walk on water. Demons will be cast out. Chains will be broken. The dead will come to life because it's not a work of man. It's a work of God. And what we need is to understand that these gifts, they're, they're available for today. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, remember we were talking about the gifts and verse 1 Paul said, I, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things, you know. I want you to know the person of the Holy Spirit and just the way that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are working and man, the church is such an amazing thing. But, but notice what he says in verse 7, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The word manifestation, it means to make visible. And although we can't see the Spirit of God, you know, God is invisible, we kind of can see God uh, as He's working uh, in, through people, the work He's done, and even the workers, in one sense, we're able to see the, the, the Holy Spirit, man. You know that's the Lord. That's a miracle. How can you tell me the secrets that I've been praying in my prayer closet? And it's almost like the, the invisible becomes visible. Jesus touched on this when he likened the Spirit of God to the wind in John chapter 3, verse 8. No one can see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. And no one can see the Holy Spirit, but you can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. And so in that sense, there's this manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul says here, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You know, and it's interesting the way that you look at the Holy Spirit, he's likened to fire, he's likened to wind. Can you feel the wind? You can feel it, huh? You can feel the wind. How many of you here can testify that there are those times where you can feel God? You can feel His presence. Just like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel God. And you can sometimes hear God. You can actually hear, although I've never heard an audible voice like, you know, God in that, you know, loud, deep voice. I have heard God through His Word. I have heard God speaking to me through people. And that's why I, love, I like what we read in Acts 2, in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. So there's a sound from heaven. You, they heard it as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I don't know if there's anyone here. We have probably a couple of you here that were with us in Cambodia. And we were there uh, at the Greater Hope Orphanage. And one day, there was a group of about 20 high school students. They were on the roof there. It was in the night. And, uh, and they were just seeking the Lord. And then all of a sudden, man, all these kids, probably about 20 kids, the Holy Spirit came 
And they all began to speak in other tongues. Just like we see here in the book of Acts. How do you explain that? It's the work of the Lord. Here we see it's this wind, rushing, mighty wind, tongues of fire. It's what happens. A lot of times it's it's kind of a, a drag because when you get older, have you guys ever heard that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? Is that true? No, I hope not. I hope that, you know, you're still old and you, and you get older and you get fresher, man. You stay fresher. You're, you're like more open. Like I'm open to whatever God wants to do. But a lot of times it's the young people. They're the ones that are open, man. And the Lord will begin to work through them. And that's what we see. I saw it in, in Cambodia. And uh, sometimes God has to move on to a different you know, denomination or church or whatever, because the main thing, and Pastor Chuck would always talk about this, is you have to stay open to the work of the Holy Spirit, whatever he wants to do. All I know is wherever the Holy Spirit is moving, there will be this manifestation that we read of here in verse 7. And what we find is that in verse 7, it says this manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And as we get ready to celebrate the national holiday honoring the birth of Martin Luther King Jr., I couldn't help but think of one of his quotes that just captures my heart. He said that life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Now, of course, we know that he probably wasn't a perfect man. No one is. But God used this man. That was his purpose, to bring an awareness of this, to make sure that we don't judge people by the color of their skin, but rather the character of their heart, right? And so for him him to say that, it's just kind of like the spiritual antennas, they go up. Life's most persistent, pressing question is what are you doing for others? You know, a lot of times people will go to church and they'll say, well, I didn't really get anything out of it. I didn't really get anything. And, you know, hopefully you do get stuff out of it. But, you know, what did you give? Not what you can get. What can I give? Who can I pray with? Who's down and out? Maybe they're all alone and you go up to them and they need encouragement. That could save their life. We don't go... um, we just to get, we, we go to give, and we were all given talents, knit together in our mother's womb, talents that we were born with, gifts that we were born again with. And so, Lord, what is it that you want me to do for others? Because the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And that's what we want. You guys remember the phrase, one for all and all for one? It's not just for the three musketeers, just in case you were thinking. It's actually for every individual. You know, not communism, but Christianity. The freedom and responsibility to follow God, to discover, develop, and deploy the gifts that you've been given. To carry together. This is what we're to do as a congregation. You know, and what we find is that God wants us to do this, not for ourselves, but for others. Think of the person who's a single mom, who doesn't have a a husband, you know, and God will, you know, use you. And it's kind of cool. Even I can use this as an illustration, the way that you guys give financially to the church. That maybe paid somebody's utility bill. 
That was a food card for someone who didn't have food that week. That was uh, a gas card for someone who's struggling in their finances in an honest fashion. You see, it's so cool to see how we give. Man, the Lord begins to work in the lives of others. Jeremiah 45.5, Jeremiah had asked Baruch, Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. It's not for ourselves, Lord, that we seek great things. It's for you. And so we now get into the gifts. In verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so one of the things you'll see in this chapter is Paul is uh, trying to share with them the diversity, how everyone has different gifts, but he's also trying to emphasize the unity. It's the same spirit, same spirit, same spirit, same body. You're so different. You are so different than that person over there, but it's all part of God's design. And we have to make sure we embrace that diversity, right? So real quick, I want to go over these uh, gifts. And, and then as the weeks come by, what I want you guys to do is to go home and your homework will be to ask the Lord, what gifts do you have? You know, you can read this list in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. You can read Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And then you're going to have a, a, a taste, a sample of what the gifts are. There are probably more. So here's what I'm asking is have some time. You get with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what gifts do I have? You got to know what gifts you have. That way, you know, you know your responsibility. It would be like a baseball player who doesn't know what position he plays. Well, maybe you're third base because you're quick and you got a good arm. Or a pitcher, they have to have a strong arm. They have to be gifted in a certain way. Everyone has their different strengths and weaknesses so that we know where we belong in the body of Christ. And so look at these gifts right here. Um, For to one is given the word of wisdom. So this is a word, it's a revelation for direction. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then someone comes and they give you a revelation from God, direction for your life. It's out of the blue. It's random. You would have never worked this out. It wasn't you manipulating or pulling strings. It was completely God. A word of wisdom is, is this direction, right? But then to another, it says the word of knowledge. And what the word of knowledge is, is supernaturally knowing something that would otherwise be unknown. God reveals something. So, so one is direction, one is, is revelation. It says right here, to another faith. Now this is interesting because we all have faith. You can't be a Christian without faith. But this is like uh, faith on steroids. This is super faith. This is where now, you know, you, you're able to take that step out where others would stay in the boat. But no, you're ready to get out because, man, you got this gift of faith. I think Ryan has it. I think Raul has it. I want it. You know, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, uh, pursue love and gifts. 
And so, you know, maybe you want that gift or these, one of these gifts. Pursue it. Ask God for it. Pray for it. Maybe he'll give these to you. We don't know how it all works, whether it's a gift cluster from behind or something in front. But without faith, you might have a gift. You might be here like super gifted. You might have 17 gifts. But if you don't have faith, you won't exercise it. And so, you know, faith, it's, it's above and beyond the norm. It says, to another, gifts of healings. And that doesn't mean that you heal everybody. It means that you have, I met one person who has this gift. Actually, there was another one, Grandpa Cobb. But these were guys and people would go and nothing weird or anything. But for, we take people to them. Chances are they're greater that they're going to get healed because it was a gift that, that God gave them. Uh, to another, it says, uh, uh, the working of miracles. And we see this is very apostolic, but it's amazing when you hear these testimonies, and we're going to go through them as we study the miracles. Uh, to another, prophecy. And prophecy is defined as the ability to foretell or foretell God's word. And so someone comes up to you and they say, I have a, a word from the Lord. Now, we read already, just in case you're here and you're like, no, I don't believe in that. Well, then you're quenching the spirit. We just got done reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20 that we're not to despise prophecies. But some people have this gift. Agabus had this gift. His four daughters had this gift. In my life, I have had like at least five words of wisdom that were like above and beyond the normal. I mean, we think we experience this all the time, but some of them were just so epic so life-changing, so the right word at the right time for our church. And they were all spoken to me by sisters. Now, I don't know what it is about you sisters, man, but maybe there is something to that, there, that woman's intuition. Maybe there is something to it. But I will say this, that, you know, it's kind of interesting to me, and I'm just kind of like now I'm just me uh, teaching out of experience, but our pastors have the ability to pastor a church and sometimes people say, well, why can't girls pastor a church? And of course, we know what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.12 and other places. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't use them. As a matter of fact, in my life, women, sisters have been used in mighty ways. Prophets. And so here we have these gifts. It says right here, uh, to another, the discerning of spirits where someone can tell, you know what, that's demonic, or, or that's angelic, or that's God. You know, um, sometimes people will say, well, if you're, a, you know, an mature Christian, you would be able to discern, you know, the spirits. You'd be able to tell or see through that person. Not everybody has that gift. You know, well, shouldn't the pastor have all the gifts? I don't. I need someone who has these gifts. We need someone who's able to discern spirits. Maybe that's you out there, and you can tell, and we've talked about this before. If you not only see something, say something, but if you sense something, say something, because you might have the gift of discernment. Remember, one, and it's interesting, because a lot of times you might look at a person and, and think, um, well, they're possessed by the devil, but sometimes it's not just that. Sometimes they're just being influenced by the devil. Remember that one time that um, Peter was talking to Jesus, and Jesus was talking about the cross. And remember what Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan, <laughs> for you're an offense to me. He was able to discern the spirit right there and then. But just prior to that, 
Peter had spoken uh, the fact that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Remember what Jesus told him? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father who's in heaven. And right there and then, Jesus was able to discern when God was speaking through someone and when the devil was speaking through the very same person. It's interesting, huh? And you can discern spirits. These are different gifts. Uh, the next gift he mentions right here is um, the, the different kinds of tongues and we're going to talk about that and the in interpretation of tongues not everyone speaks in tongues some do it's still a gift for today that's unfortunately been used or been elevated to a place that doesn't belong but tongues are still for today i speak in tongues in my prayer closet and i know it's the lord and sometimes he gives me an understanding of what it is and so um we're going to get into these gifts we're going to break them down today i want to talk about one gift in particular and that is just the word of wisdom. You know, I, I think it's not surprising that this is at the top of the list. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Understanding is a synonym for wisdom. So one thing you want, you guys, is wisdom uh, for life. Of course, we have God's word, the Bible. And I, I promise you this, the more you know the Bible, the wiser you will be if you have a heart to obey it, right? But what this is, is more of a divine direction. And so what God will do is he will speak to you uh, supernaturally. Sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a verse or sometimes it's a word that God gives to you. And you just know it's the Lord, man. It's a word of wisdom. It's a word of, of direction. And I, I think I shared with you guys the testimony that I have how a long time ago, I was uh, praying about starting the church in Almani, and I was in my office, and I was looking at a picture that my daughter had drawn. And so I want to show you guys this picture right here. This is the first time I think I've ever shown it to you. And so this is uh, the artistic work of my daughter, man, and I had it in my office. And I, you know, when it comes to the church in Almani, I, I never thought, well, Manny, you're so gifted, you're a pastor, you should start a church. I never had that in my heart. I never, I told you guys last week, the shy guy, the mellow fellow, I don't have that, I'm not that. But I did have a burden for a community. I did have a burden for Almani because I grew up here. And there was just things that took place. And my heart was connected to this community. And so I was praying, Lord, do, I, do we start a church in Almani? I'm so afraid. I don't know what to do. I was in a job. I was as an assistant pastor. And I was comfortable. It was five minutes away from where I, I lived. And, I mean, it was like the dream job. I mean, it was perfect in so many ways. And so, you know, but I had this burden and it wouldn't go away. And so one day I'm there and I'm asking God, Lord, lead me, Lord, guide me, Lord, give me direction. And I sense the Lord say to me, the answer is in this picture right here. So I was looking at this picture that my daughter drew and I said, okay, it has to do with that car. Which way is that car going? I can't tell, sweetheart, right? which way, <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, man, is it going this way or that way? And so as I'm looking at the car and I'm looking at the picture and I'm just studying the whole thing, I got a phone call. And someone called me randomly, just out of the blue, and they just said, I have a scripture for you. It's Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. So I got the scripture, and I wrote it down on a post-it. And I didn't really, really think much of it. I went back to the picture, and I'm looking at the car. What is that, a Honda? I don't know. You know kind of. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just lifted my eyes up, 
to the scripture that's on the picture. And it was Deuteronomy 31, 6. It was the very passage that was on the page that God had said the answer is there. That passage says, do not fear nor be afraid. For the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that go, when I was reading that passage, it just jumped and leaped into my heart. And I felt like God had given me a supernatural work, a supernatural word to begin the work. You know, I needed that because for me, like I said, there's no confidence in self. I needed that to push me. I needed that. Now, do all churches start that way? No. God can do it in a very different way. But for me, that word of wisdom was something that, that, that God led me in. You know, later on, he talks about the word of knowledge. And you guys are going to see that these two gifts, they go hand in hand. A lot of times, the word of knowledge is followed by a word of wisdom. So you're here today, and God shows you something, something supernatural. And then what he does is he gives you direction. Now, let me give you an example. For example, when this, a lot of times we're talking about dreams. You know, although dreams, sometimes because you had too many tacos, but <laughs> some dreams are from God. I've had about five dreams where God has clearly led me. One dream where God told me to go to Bible college. One dream where God showed me that one day we would be ministering in the park, and he showed me before I ever saw it, Mountain View Park. That was in a dream. He showed me that what would happen there. But so, you know, a lot of times, you know, you just have to be open to the Lord. But anyways, I remember, and I've shared this with you, but the word of knowledge followed by a word of wisdom. Remember Joseph? When you, he was there in prison and... You know, Pharaoh had these dreams, and there were two dreams because there were confirmation. The first one were seven fat cows followed by seven skinny cows, and those fat, the skinny cows ate the fat cows, and then the, you know, the grain, and then, you know, this great harvest, but then it was followed by seven, you know, uh, of, of this absolute nothing, you know, and, and so the, uh, the guys, they couldn't interpret the, the, the dream, and so, you know, Joseph comes, and and he's given, in, in one sense, the, the word of knowledge. Well, this is what it means. There's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. It was a word of knowledge. But then what did Joseph do? Joseph said, and this is what you need to do. And he began to break it down, exactly what Pharaoh needed to do. And that's why Pharaoh appointed him second in command, because it was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's what the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, how they work hand in hand. You know, when I was praying about going to Almani, and I, we're going to get into a lot of different stories, you guys. I don't have time today, but as the days as the weeks go on, I want to share with you this because I want you to know that it's God who did this. You know, I remember one time I was praying, and I have to tell you this because, I mean, again, you guys know, um, how many of you here know I'm a sinner? How many of you know I am the chief of all sinners? I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm nothing. I know that. But one day I was praying. It was a season I was praying, God, be all over me. I want you to be all over me. Please, Lord, be all over me. I'd never prayed that before. 
But for some reason, I was felt led by the Holy Spirit to pray that prayer, God, I want you to be all over me. And so uh, as a time went on, who knows, maybe one, two weeks, I'm praying that prayer. And then after service one day, a lady comes up to me with tears just flowing down her face. And she said, God wants me to tell you something. Now, I had not told anybody what I had been praying. But she said, God wanted me to tell you that he's all over you. And he wants you to take the next step. What is that? That is a word of knowledge followed by a word of wisdom. It is a supernatural revelation followed by a supernatural direction. And I'm going to tell you guys, and I'm going to tell you story after story after story. I remember one time when we were uh, trying to get into um, the, this facility right here, and I remember... Um, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was cool, you know, the process, and I, there's even that has miracles within it, but I remember one time we were meeting at the park there at Mountain View Park, and, uh, and after service, pretty much everybody had left, and I had a, an office in Garvey. And so after service, I would just go to my office and just spend time with the Lord. But I remember pretty much everyone had left, and then another sister, she came up to me, and she said, for some reason, God wants me to give you this word. Trust him. Trust him. And I thought to myself, I already trust him. Why are you telling me this? But the Lord knew. Because when I got back into my office, there was a, a letter that had been slipped into the mail slot. And I opened up the letter when I got into the office. And it said, um, in order for you to come into this building, you're going to have to repave the entire uh, uh, pro property here, and it will cost you $17,000. Now, I think I had $17 at that time. <laughs> and you know, like, how are we going to do this? And you know, your heart can just start freaking out. But that word that had been given to me, prepared my heart, trust me, and it carried me. I'm telling you guys, this is how the church lives. This is how we function. We need to exercise these gifts, discover them, develop them, believe in him. And by faith, you know, watch what God does. When we look at these gifts, we're going to see they need to be exercised in faith and in love. And so, so much to talk about. I can't wait until we get into this. But, you know, the most important thing is that we have to be in right relationship with him. And so if you're not, I pray that today, man, there would just be that understanding that his grace is amazing and he's willing to forgive any sin. How uh, We have to get right with God and we have to believe that we have to be busy about his business. But we also have to know that if you're here and you're not a Christian, that today the Lord Jesus Christ can set you free. He died on a cross for you. He rose again. And if today you would believe, then you will be saved. You know, the, the whosoever's, you guys know the booth that's out there, right? It comes from that passage in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him 
will not perish, but have everlasting life. doesn't matter who you are. You know, one of the cool things about Ryan, that when you go and you hear him speak, he'll challenge people. He'll challenge atheists. He said, you're here today. Are any atheists here today? And they'll raise their hand. And he says, I want you to come. And I want you to give God a chance. I want you to receive Christ into your heart. And you watch. God will prove himself to you. You got to open up your heart. And when you do that, it's so cool what God does. Only he can give life. And if you're here and you need him, I pray that you would allow Jesus in. He's knocking on your heart, the Bible says. And if you open up that door, man, it's so cool what God does. But you got to give him a chance.